0: Welcome to the 34, 34 Cersei Salon. Welcome, Welcome to, to, to
1: Make Matriarchy Great make again. Matriarchy Great <laughs> Again.
0: And welcome everyone to the 34 Circe Salon. Make matriarchy great again. The new season is here, and I am here. Welcome. With... Yes.
1: Welcome everyone. Yes. Yeah, we're still, <laughs> as you can see, a well oiled machine.
0: Of course. <laughs> Who are you, by the way? Who are you?
1: I, I seem to recognize your voice, but. Um... <laughs> I'm Dawn Sam Alden, and I am here with Sean Marlin Newcomb.
0: And we have a and real matriarchy today, right?
1: Absolutely. We are so thrilled to introduce to you, our listeners, our two new co-hosts for the podcast. So we are thrilled to welcome Lauren Torres and Kimberly Hello. Rockwell.
0: Hello. I can hear the crowd cheering wildly. Yes
2: oh you know what I think I think they could I'm pretty sure they could
1: Yay! <laughs> as you can see Lauren is at the controls today oh and I,
2: I think does that one go on forever I might have picked the wrong one Sean. it could go on forever but if
0: you press the button again it'll go away
2: <laughs>
3: oh well oh, it, it takes is- a lot of applause <laughs> well, yeah, we did
1: exactly. deserve
2: it, Kimberly. We did. I agree. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, yes, welcome to the first episode of our new season. Yeah. We're back. We're back. Back and better than ever. And um, so, today's episode is going to be uh, dedicated to introducing you to our new two co hosts and introducing them to one another. So,. Yes. I'm going to turn it over to the two of you. Sean and I will jump in um, when we have interesting things to say, um, or good jokes, one or the other. And uh, but I'm gonna turn it over to the two of you to um, acquaint our listeners with you.
2: All right. And uh, maybe maybe I should start Kimberly, so because you know, we're so similar. We both have tech backgrounds. We both like some woo-woo stuff, uh, spiritual (laughs) stuff, woo-woo stuff. And other than that, the big difference between you and me, I think, is that I'm not retired yet. Alas, I'm still doing my engineering job by day. And I also do shamanism healing. I do that by weekends or night. I teach that. And then you, Kimberly, are able to do quite some wonderful things. Um, Did you want to introduce yourself?
3: Uh, sure. Um, let's see. Yes, I am retired. I used to have a job. I didn't like it, so I don't do that anymore. I am Yay. enjoying retirement quite a bit. It's been about ten years now. Um, so most of my time is spent enjoying myself. Play. I play classical piano. I crochet like a maniac. I I read a lot. I just I travel a lot with my husband, and uh, I also do. A lot of spiritual woo-woo stuff um, that I enjoy mm-hmm. a bit, do uh, some healing work and, and stuff like that. So it's a nice, quiet life, and I like it quite a bit.
2: Right. And we shouldn't forget that this is not your first time on the show. In fact, you are back and better than ever. But I did rec- recently listen to your episode, and I really felt you had um, a lovely amount of passion for the topic you were discussing
3: Oh, that's right. That Beat Women of the Beat Generation is a is a big uh, topic of mine. I love poetry. I love the Beat Generation, and I was very excited to find out that a lot of women had participated in that, although they are the unsung heroes of the era. And you have done quite a number of episodes here.
2: I've done at least one. I feel like I've done a few. I feel
1: like no, no. I think I, I think you may have only done one. Lauren. Or at least one that has aired so far. Yeah. Right.
2: Exactly. We've discussed the episodes I'm planning. So it might feel like
3: we've done more (laughs) than that. (laughs) And I am looking forward to them. Yes.
1: Lauren, what kind of engineer
3: are you?
2: I'm a mechanical engineer. I do design. So I'm in the electronics industry, which means I, or to quote my mom, I put electronics in boxes and some of them are very pretty boxes, but <laughs> there's a lot of uh, installation stuff. So I used to do automotive. So I used to do engine controllers and then I did police radios for a while. And now I'm in this group where the customer doesn't know what they want. They want five of something and we customize it completely. So that, that's right up my alley.
1: Fascinating. My, my yeah. brother is a mechanical engineer. My father was a chemical engineer. So I know that just from listening to the way that my brother talks to his children often, he'll say, you know, okay, so we're engineers, let's figure this out. He has a very sort of, like the way he approaches the world is very much like, here's the situation. So what are the mechanics involved in how this Uh situation happens? Yeah, And uh, I wonder if that's a mindset that is that is sort of general to engineers?
2: There's sort of different kinds of engineers. Um, I'm, because I do a lot of new products, I'm very comfortable with ambiguity and people not knowing what they want and trying different things out. And then there's engineers that do things like uh, the quality side, or they they um, test things. And Kimberly, even though technically not an engineer, has some very big time quality chops because she was in a tech field doing. And I, I have to talk you up, Kimberly, because you said you don't talk yourself <laughs> up. She was director of quality, so she was at the director level.
1: Tell us what so that that's a means. Pretty big deal. Yeah,
3: yeah. It mean it talk means a little bit more about I, that. I obsessively tried to make the entire world run more efficiently. So I think I became (laughs) obsessed with the idea of it when I read cheaper by the dozen when I was a kid and they were efficiency experts and I was fascinated by that. And that's kind of what I ended up doing is just a modern day glorified efficiency engineer telling everybody how they did their job wrong. And if they did it the way I wanted them to do it, it would be much, much better.
1: (laughs) And that way. (laughs) Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, my husband's also a mechanical engineer, so I'm quite familiar with uh, with mechanical yeah. engineers.
1: So, how when did we that, talk, uh... it
2: sounds like he, her husband and I are opposites because he likes to see why things broke, and when I have to find out why something broke, I am miserable, like I entered purgatory, and I'm never going to get to stop testing <laughs> things. <laughs> so he he's That's a yeah we're yin yang. She <laughs> so. nice. Sorry, what were you going to say, Don?
1: Uh, Kimberly, uh, how did that go over, being a woman uh, telling uh, the tech bros of the tech sector that the way they're doing their jobs is wrong?
3: It was very challenging. And I came out of Silicon Valley, which is the ultimate um, broville for the tech world. I, I re- By the time I retired, I was in Southern California, which is kind of a kinder, gentler tech world. But um, it was always a bit of a challenge being a woman in management over engineers who are predominantly male and not really thrilled. Um, you, ha- you learn the techniques to win men over as we do in every aspect of our lives and to make them feel mm. comfortable. But you do, you have to cater quite a bit to the, to the male ego and to the male mindset in order to be successful in that. It was challenging. Fascinating. I liked it, but it was challenging. Yeah, yeah.
2: It
0: Laura, reminds me very much you, of... Lauren? Uh, yeah, Lauren... Sorry, what were you, you going to say? Let's
2: look at Sean a chance.
0: i just wondering, how did your journey, how did you... How did I? How did you get into the uh, engineering world? I mean, cheaper by the dozen was Kimberly's entree. What was your entree?
2: Well, my mom observed me closely and noticed that I liked... Going to the what was the Ford Museum or no it was the it was near the Ford Museum. I was looking at these big gears and she thought maybe she could be an engineer. And she always said that it was a good idea to get into a man's profession because they pay better. She always thought that then you'd have more agency for yourself, more ability to make choices. So she suggested I try engineering. And um, she's pretty good. She's a teacher, so she know she really is like a brilliant kind of teacher who watches how people think and knows. Their personalities. So she suspected I might like it. I started in chemical engineering and that was just too much chemistry. And I liked mechanical engineering a lot better because it's often multidisciplinary. And I didn't know that at the time, but I wanted to be a designer. I just knew I didn't want to be fixing machines when they broke because from the beginning, I knew I didn't like fixing things when they broke. (laughs) So when I interviewed at the first job I started with designing engine controllers, I thought, oh, this is a nice variety. And that kind of set me off on the right path. But I don't, I don't think I would have liked engineering all by itself if I hadn't also found shamanic practice pretty early on.
1: Okay, so that's fascinating. Talk about that. Oh,
2: um, so I think I was out of college, maybe a year when I picked up a book by Sandra Ingerman about soul retrieval. And the idea that that there's energy that's part of who you are, but then you go through something traumatic and you feel like it's gone. Like I never felt the same after my father died or uh, after that person broke up with me, I just felt like I lost a piece of myself. The idea that you could have a healing and get that back was fascinating. And uh, shamanism is a very ancient healing modality. It, it appears differently in different societies because it adapts to society. But um, I was really drawn to learning more about it. And then I studied it like a crazy person for two or three years. And somewhere in there was surprised to realize I was going to do it because retrospect, looking back, I'm like, you really took an awful lot of classes for a person who didn't think they were going to do it. Um, so the idea that somebody can can get what they need, they can get connected, they can be empowered is is fascinating to me.
1: I love that. And how? And I do too. How did that inform your work in engineering?
2: Well, I'd say I, you know what. There's a few things. It's obviously relating to people helps and relating to yourself. But my master's degree which I got from DePaul University. It focused on shamanism and shamanic practices. But um, the master's project was me using hermeneutics, which is the philosophy and art of interpretation. And I used that to interpret abstract images that I created during the journey process. I would journey into darkness. I would come back with a feeling that I had an image, and then I would try to make the image not knowing what it would look like. So my master's project was interpreting nine images. And I found ever since then that just learning about interpretation, and for me, art is an abstract, (laughs) art is like a foreign language, and hermeneutics was originally conceived to interpret foreign languages. Um, I find that that applies a lot of times to, to listen to what people want, to kind of, Parse between what they're saying because um, every time you have a communication, it's a little bit like two people with different languages coming together. So
1: both Lauren and Kimberly definitely have one foot in the woo-woo world, as we like to call them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and re- I definitely come Kimberly's Scientific woo-woo background. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. And
2: Kimberly's yeah. woo-woo comes from it's a it's ancestral; it's a maternal yeah.
3: gift. It is. I was very lucky. My grandmother actually worked. I guess in her era, you would call it a professional psychic. She called herself Faye. And uh, so that was stuff that was kind of passed down through me and, and part of my family heritage for a long time. And I actually ignored it and tried to put that on a shelf and pretend it didn't exist because it wasn't logical. And it didn't fit into my, you know, atheistic modality, which was put upon myself for no good reason. Having escaped um, conservative religion, I I went into full atheism. It took me a lot of years to go back and embrace the spiritual side of myself and um, embrace my heritage through my grandmother.
1: And you have her crystal ball, yeah?
3: I do. I have a lot of things that belong to my grandmother. Um, her crystal ball was purely showmanship. A lot of her accoutrement, um, she said she just had to make other people feel more comfortable with what was going on in any hidden reading, reading. But I have some of her old tarot cards. I have her old teacups because she did a lot of tea leaf readings, which was really cool. And I have her crystal ball. And I have an old um, portrait of her on uh, over a shelving unit I call my family altar so that she's kind of overlooking everything in my life. And I, I like that.
0: Where did her tradition come from? How did she become interested in that? I'm not of-
3: entirely sure. She she says she, it kind of went back to her childhood. She had been told she was fae. Um Our heritage is very... Uh, northern uk and scandinavian but when she was little i know she had a nanny that was from england um she grew up in chicago but she had a british nanny and i think it might have been introduced to her by her nanny actually or her awakening into her gifts as she might have put it was introduced to her by her nanny so unfortunately Mm -hmm. she's long gone and no longer able to give me the history that i am dying to know about and we never ask the right questions until it's too late
1: it's always the way yeah yeah, so true, so true. So mm-hmm. we spoke with um, Caitlin Shetler many, many moons mm-hmm. ago, um, who was also a refugee from, um, from uh, Christianity, uh, particularly um, charismatic Christianity um, and a type of Christianity that sort of tried to excise Every feminine influence that even exists in sort of older forms of Christianity. Um, were you what? What type of Christianity did you escape from, and um, and how did how did you facilitate that? How did that come about?
3: Um, I escaped from a Pentecostal, born again, highly conservative church environment. Um, I escaped because I was married to a minister's son, Um, and I guess I really have to yank skeletons out of the closet to tell the story, but um, there was a pregnancy involved with my husband that wasn't mine. It might have been a Sunday school teacher that was a little bit uh, scandalous in our church, and Mm. we chose to divorce, and because I made that choice, that pretty much I lost my job. I was working at a church. Um, I needed to stay home and be a better wife. Um, I was. We were not allowed to talk to our friends until we had both performed some sort of, I don't know what kind of rituals they wanted us to perform. But the entire world came crashing down around me. And I. it kind of woke me up, I think. And Um, I went through a long emotional process of breaking up with Jesus after that. But getting out of my official standing in the church was an overnight process. Um, But as I I healed, they basically they basically booted you because your husband had an affair.
1: Yes. It sounds like shunning. I was shunned. It sounds like.
3: Yeah. They wanted us to perform. They wanted us to see a marriage counselor of their choice. Our pastor did, and they wanted us to um, sign over the rights for the counselor to talk to our pastor and tell him anything they'd learned. They wanted um, all four members of this scandal—the Sunday school teacher and her husband, and my husband and I—to stand up in front of the church and apologize to the church for what we had all done in Mm -hmm. this process, and uh, we refused. My my husband and I refused, and. So we were asked not to come back to the church and all of our friends were told to shun us. Essentially. I lost my job. I lost all of my friends. I, it kind of woke me up, made me realize how ridiculous it was. There was a lot of politics going on in this era. This was um, the Clinton administration and, uh, the entire Kenneth Starr report was coming out during that time. And I was already very frustrated with the immersion of the church in modern politics in violation of everything I thought was the teachings of Christ. And uh, so that was difficult for me as well. So it became very easy for me to leave the church. But letting go of my faith and letting go of, you know, what I had built around myself to, you know, How I saw the world was a very long, slow, painful process of mourning and grieving and then anger. I went through the entire Kubler-Ross gamut of reactions Mm, and um, kind of ended up, like I said earlier, on a very staunch atheist hill. And it took me a long time to be able to open my heart up to a larger concept of spirituality.
0: So did you find uh, and I've talked about this on the podcast just so open. Um, I'm a practicing Christian. I'm Catholic. So it's it's an important part of my experience, but I understand a lot of the journeys that happen, a lot of the things that happen, particularly around gender and around sexuality, um, but, You know, female sexuality primarily. So have you found your way back to a more generalized notion of faith, or is it something that is a variation of what you had before, or did you discover a new faith tradition?
3: Um, I think not. Definitely not what I w- had faith in before. I really do not um, at this time of my life adhere to anything that would really fit into a Christian bucket anymore. Um, so probably either a combination of generalized faith and a bricolage, like I've made up my own religion, I guess. But <laughs> it's, it's just more of a con- more of an understanding that the world is bigger than what we can see. And, um, whether or not science can explain some of the things that we experience is irrelevant because they are real. The, um, the world is bigger than we know, and we have to be open to embracing all of it. At least for me, I have to be open to embracing all of it.
0: Right.
2: Right. It
3: yeah. makes sense.
0: There's, there's so much and that obviously comes through, you know, we'll talk about on the podcast and more, uh, I think Dawn, You explore that much more uh, in episodes separate from ones that I'm involved in, but we certainly do sort of go through that, those Mm -hmm. sorts of spiritual traditions.
1: Yeah, and that's
2: one of the advantages, I think, of of this new way we're going to do it, because it seems like we're going to mix up hosts a lot now.
1: Which is a beautiful uh, transition into (laughs) let's look forward. So we had talked a little bit about how uh, Kimberly and Lauren, you have sort of, you are um, sort of interested in separate aspects of the podcast. Kimberly, you and I are going to um, dive in a little bit more deeply to the Being a Bad Martha series. Uh, which is looking sort of looking at contemporary issues in women's lives and um, and sort of how different aspects of how it feels as a woman living in patriarchy. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, sort of looking at the female beat poets was a beautiful example of that. But we also are going to be talking about things like virginity. Does it exist? No, it doesn't. (laughs) How did it come about? What does it mean in a patriarchal society? Why do we attach so much importance to it? All that sort of thing. Um, And uh, are there any other topics that you want to talk about that you're excited about coming
3: up in the future? I think we're going to talk about gossip. Um, We have talked about perhaps exploring a little bit more of what a rape culture means, which is it's a big topic and there's a lot of misunderstanding around it. I think I know that we're talking about that. There's there's so many topics I can't even begin to break them down yet. (laughs) Yes. So we're looking more at, you know, modern,
1: modern life. Um, Yes. With Kimberly, Uh, you'll, you'll tend to be taking part in those episodes. Lauren, on the other hand, you were talking about how you have a deep interest in the anthropological and archeological stuff.
2: Yes. Um, It seems to be expanding our definition of roles of women, looking at society, looking at the archaeology. My first podcast episode should be about postnatal care. So we're going to talk about the lost traditions of taking care of women after they have children, the ways that there would be traditions to bring them back to full health and allow them to make that emotional and psychological transition into their new role to feel very powerful. And I think that's an important part of healthy matriarchy is when you have had a baby or you have, and I haven't personally um, had a baby, but the idea that we could reclaim some of those ways of being in the world. So, yeah, I'd I'd say that what you said was pretty, pretty close. I'm also interested in kind of looking at some of the ways you you talk. I mean, you're um, being a bad Martha is probably going contemporary. So I'm also interested in some contemporary ideas like, How do we see women in the world today or in recent history really making contributions to changing the way we do things?
3: I think Lauren brings up a really good point when she looks at what she's interested in touches upon contemporary, modern cultural anthropology. And a lot of the being a bad Martha is steeped in historical constructs and how we came to understand the way we look at women in the world today. So there's a lot of overlap and they really do connect. So hopefully Lauren and I'll have an opportunity to explore a few topics together. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe be we will. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wonderful.
0: Do you so, want to talk uh, a little
1: bit? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sean. I just
0: want to ask you because we, I don't think we've ever uh, on the podcast talked about what your sort of areas of interest are in this and how you came to them. So I thought maybe it's a good point since we're looking forward What are you thinking of what sort of topics and areas are you going to be looking towards in the coming months?
1: Well, I definitely share, uh, the love of history and I, am a researcher, I actually considered at one point, um, becoming actually training as a librarian because I do so much love research. Um, but I also, you know, have a very strong, um, interest in modern culture and women's lives today and how, how narratives have been built over time, um, that have essentially tied down our feet and our hands from being able to participate fully in society, and um, that uh, these misconceptions that have developed over time have, um, have limited women's lives in the present. Um, but I also have, a, you know, a healthy amount of woo-woo in me. So we're going to be looking at um, we're going to be looking at some more, uh, we're going to add some more to the um, in Praise of the Goddess series. I think, uh, Sean, we were talking about looking at Thracian goddesses and Scythian goddesses.
2: Sounds like fun.
1: Yeah, which um, is not, you know, these are goddesses that are really not in the public eye um, as much as, you know, our traditional Greek and Roman. And uh, I also have been um, very interested in uh, Nubia. And I'm hoping to get, um, I've been trying to chase down a gal um, who I'm really hoping can come on and talk about a couple of different aspects of both Nubian um, queens and also uh, Nubian goddesses.
2: That's the advantage of being a fan who joins the podcast because I get to hear about the exciting things that are being planned.
1: (laughs) Yes, our our yes. list of our list of in development topics is right is truly epic. So hopefully.
2: Right. <laughs> and we had a really great planning session. It's fun to talk about all the plans. Yeah,
1: yeah. it's just trying to bring them to fruition um, when you when we cannot do this as a full-time job that can be
3: frustrating. Right. Yeah, yeah, but hopefully we've got some good things planned. Kimberly? I wanted to make sure that we included uh, Sean in the Skrilling and maybe he could tell us a little bit about his interests and how he came to be a part of a matriarchy podcast.
0: Well, I was born in a log cabin many, many years ago. Um, Well, I mean, my route is probably through the, so, is absolutely through the ancient world. So my fascination has been through ancient history. In fact, I will, I have some specific plans to dive into that aspect of ancient history very soon, but it's really came through the ancient world looking at the roles of particularly the Amazons and other warrior women in the ancient world. And then I was in, you know, as a writer would write sort of like female action heroes and got involved with um, creating stuff for that sort of action heroine and uh, started working with stunt women and stage combat women, which is how of course I met Dawn, who is an action woman herself. So my entree to it has been through the ancient world studying sort of these Um, unsung heroes that have been either forgotten or overlooked or purposefully dismissed because they were women. So that kind of led me to that. So going forward, we're definitely going to deal with uh, dive into things like the mythologies, the goddesses, the different kinds in the, in the ancient world that haven't been looked at. And also we have some fun stuff planned for action heroes that we can't say yet, but we're going to celebrate some things, some people in the, uh,
2: Sounds like fun. Action
0: trade, yeah. So some action women. So that's kind of how I got came to it.
2: Wonderful. And and Sean, I feel like there's an overlap for me with you in the sense that I really liked the idea of female superheroes as a child, but they were thin on the ground. We had Wonder Woman and uh, Princess Leia in my mind. (laughs) were the only kick ass female action here was available at the
1: time. Yeah, I I remember uh, Isis that mm. oh, that she she was the half hour show that followed Shazam. Yeah uh, she oh, was a female Isis. superhero and uh but but uh but yeah other than that uh, Wonder Woman and yeah. that's basically it yeah. And then finally, you know, that's why I started Babes with Blades is uh, to help develop um, martial stories for women on stage and uh, started that in Chicago in 1997. I believe after it was right about the same time the first season of Xena aired.
3: So it was sort of
1: the beginning of um, a television and entertainment era that started to introduce More, um, more kick-ass women in uh, in various martial roles. So, kind of rode that wave on stage as it was happening on the screen elsewhere.
0: So, babes with the blades.
1: I've been meaning
2: to go to babes with blades because (laughs) it's in the Chicago area. I thought I could take my goddaughter sometime, but it hasn't lined up yet. I'll tell you when I.
1: Yes, please do. Yeah, they're running the Duchess of Malfi right now. And okay. uh, it looks pretty kick ass. Okay.
0: Yeah. Dawn, could you just say what Babes with Blades is for the listeners who don't really know?
1: Uh, Babes with Blades is an all female stage combat theater company that I founded in 1997 in Chicago, Illinois, and is still producing um, mm-hmm. plays with fighting roles for women in Chicago today.
0: It's amazing. Yeah. Wow. You're um, one.
1: Oh, wait.
2: Let's do the thing. Wait a second.
0: Oh, sorry. Yeah.
2: That wasn't the right applause <laughs> I was,
0: I
1: was, either. Applause
0: I thought it was
2: that the was. mild applause.
1: That was the polite, sorry. yes. The golf
2: yeah. clap. Yeah. Golf I did have to practice. So, <laughs> I could try again. There's this one. What's this one do?
3: The, oh, uh, All right. Yeah, that's I, a I,
2: different I, podcast.
0: I use that on sports podcasts. You've never heard that. So that's, that's what I'm talking oh. I'm talking sports on something totally different. Uh, but all right i'm gonna have to practice
2: the controls a bit more
0: yeah no i was just gonna say bays with blades is amazing and when we did our film festival which was uh called artemis film festival which was uh dedicated to female action heroes dawn had submitted some films uh, a a film for the first year and i was like what is this because it was just it was literally what the festival was about um so it's really amazing that that still goes and that you are still going. So there'll be more of that yep. in a year.
1: More of that. I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. So before we, before we
2: started recording, I said some of the fans of the podcast may have thought that that year uh, we're going on a break was a gentle goodbye, but so they should be pretty excited to know that that was not what happened.
1: Indeed. Guys- and that, we will be back with even more co- more content, more voices, more uh, more areas of ground covered uh, in the future coming months.
2: Mm-hmm. Some of them are in the bag already, I believe. Too, they're just in post production.
1: Indeed, indeed. Oh, yeah, we're trying oh. to store up so that when we start going, we can uh, we can post one episode roughly every two weeks. Okay, keep things going. Yeah, wonderful. I'll try well, a different
2: one. Is that that?
1: There you go. That's the best
2: I can do for people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm afraid of, of the really long one. <laughs> yes, indeed. yes indeed. So Lauren, Kimberly, any final thoughts?
3: Not me, I'm excited about okay. where we're going in the future, and uh, I mean, I would ask another hour's worth of questions if I could. I want to learn more about Lawrence's uh, shamanistic practice. I would love yeah. to grill the two of you about the history of this podcast, and, and for listeners Ooh. that may have come along, you know part way down the line, where did you come up with this idea? But I'm afraid that would take another hour. so
2: Well, we could have a podcast series you could be a podcast host interview series it might be short unless you expand to other podcast shows but you could get at least 3 people
1: <laughs> yes indeed well i think we i think vicky and i were interviewed on home That's to true. her Right. Um, so you can hear a little bit about how the podcast started on that episode and steer on over to home to her, which is a fabulous sister podcast, um, where she talks a lot about, uh, women's spirituality and, uh, women's spiritual traditions. Um, though, though we
0: should say about Vicki though, I think it is important to bring up our, uh, third musketeer, um, just to let, just to say something about Vicki and how that does give a little bit of the origin story of the podcast, Uh, just because Vicki is so important, such a a spiritual force and inspiration to what we do. We're talking about Vicki Noble, uh, and she has been in the matriarchy movement from the very beginning uh, here in the States and has done a lot of scholarship and work around the uh, matriarchy of old europe because she had worked with maria gambutas who is of course the scholar that uncovered uh, or uh, came up with the understandings and theories and hypotheses about that, the fact that there was a matriarchy that pre-existed the patriarchy that we know of so vicky was important to that and i had just happened to read her book double goddess because i was doing my own research into the ancient world and she said in that book Um, where is the person looking to discover Themisera like Schliemann did Troy? And I said, that's me. And I (laughs) sent her an email and that's how we got to know each other. And then, of course, Dawn and I had already been working together. And when COVID hit and we were locked down, we decided let's keep these things that we wanted to do in the real world. Let's bring them out into the, um, in some way, in this sort of virtual world. Um, oh, and then uh, I'm getting a little prompting here about the California Institute of Integral Search. Would you like to say something on that, Don?
1: I just put that in there so I could remember the full title when I actually okay. yes. say it.
0: Okay. <laughs> I, I, <but> anyway, <laughs> because I have be I have, uh, I have difficulty
1: with remembering what C I I S. Yes. yes. Vicky was involved with the beginning of the California Institute of Integral Studies, CIIS, which is still um, educating yeah. people today on uh, some of the, these same topics. Um, the right. History. I'm fascinated
2: by their... their their programs. Every once in a while, I go read them and think, no, I don't really want to get involved because just the master's degree was a lot of work. So I know I don't want to get a PhD at this time. But every once in a while, I go look and they're going, ooh, that's cool. Definitely.
1: Yeah. In an alternate timeline, I definitely went there and got a PhD because it's fabulous stuff. And she's also involved in the Institute of Archaeomythology, which um, you know, was uh, was founded by um, uh, a, a group of people, um, including Heidegertner Abendroth, whose uh, interview will be in our new season, and um, Maria Butas, and also folks uh, whose voices you've heard on this podcast before, uh, Miriam, Rob- Miriam Robbins-Dexter, Joan Marler, um, so that sort of cohort of people anthropological, matriarchal, feminine spirituality area of knowledge. And um, yeah, she is definitely, um, she is definitely the major impetus. Um, Mm -hmm. That and the, the pandemic were the two things that sort of came together at the same time. Um, and birds.
2: Thank goodness.
1: This podcast. <laughs> well, thank goodness for Vicki. I don't know if I want to thank the pandemic, but we made lemonade. <laughs> well, if we
2: we're going to have one, at least it, co- it caused some good podcasts to get started. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Wonderful. So, okay. Well, I'm sure you will hear much more about Mm -hmm. uh, Kimberly and Lauren as the season continues and as we delve into um, all the various episodes that we have planned. Um, But for now, welcome to our new season. Thank you.
2: I'm I'm going to try this. The spray.
1: Yes. So oh, just welcome,
3: goes. Welcome to our. Oh, oh <laughs> my goodness! <laughs> I, think <laughs> I, think I, think <laughs> I think that's <laughs> quite the right one. <laughs> Lauren and I are very exciting. We we, we, yes, you know. we are. We have a big fan base exciting. there. <laughs> yes,
2: oh. you just don't know our, our social media following alone. <laughs> when i go oh on facebook once in a while
1: <laughs> <laughs> once in a while all the applause will follow yeah. um, oh my goodness so yes welcome welcome lauren and kimberly to the team all right and welcome all of our listeners back to 34 Cersei, make matriarchy great again and uh sean
0: thank good you, to you be all chatting for with you again good chatting oh indeed we're we're gonna we're we will ride at dawn dawn So,
1: (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) all right. Thank you. All right. Take. Thank you. Take care, everyone, and blessed be.